Today, we're talking about the fate of the heathen. Now, what do we mean by the term heathen? Well, this is a very broad term. It means people who worship strange foreign gods. There are billions of those in the world. But then there is a sophisticated form of heathenism that we may dare call paganism. Now, paganism has beautiful temples and beautiful costumes and beautiful robes and all of those things. And so we're talking about vast numbers of people who don't follow Christ. But in the last session, we saw the text that said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to God the Father unless they come through Jesus. And that it was Jesus who made an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, I am suggesting to you on the authority of the word of God that the only way people can be saved is by coming to Christ. I want you to think about that because that's a bit of a bombshell. All people are born with a knowledge of right and wrong. Everybody who is born is born with a knowledge of the law of God. But nobody is born with a knowledge of the gospel. Nobody. When it says their thoughts sometimes accuse and sometimes defend them in the text we read before, it's not saying that they're saved by living up to the light they have. Because the whole theme of the book of Romans and the Bible is this, that people need Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I guess I've spoken, I say this humbly, probably to more atheists than just about any person around. I've spoken to millions of them. And I know from my own personal experience and from the preaching of the Bible that these people need Christ because without Christ, they are in a great darkness. I'm not a philosopher. I'm talking here Bible truth. I have seen in a meeting, say 10,000 people, atheists, unbelievers, communists, Marxists, at the start of the meeting with their heads down. They won't look at me. And as I preach the gospel of Christ, their heads come up a little bit, come up a little bit. And when I ask the men, will they come to Christ? I'm talking about Russia. I've seen them come down the front in such a hurry that I was in danger of being killed. Why? Because they know better than we do that the heart without Christ is lost. So don't tell me there's a lot of light out there. Christ is the light of the world, only Christ. Now, he said something which was quite controversial and politically incorrect in John chapter 3, verses 1 down to 7. I want you to think about the theological and the practical implications of this text. Uh, John chapter 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. 
The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, now he's talking to a theologian. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. That means you, Nicodemus. Unless you're born again, you're not going to heaven. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? He didn't get it, did he? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. What's he talking about? What's Jesus talking about? Now, it is believed by some people who are more philosophically inclined than biblically literate that when we're born and we come into the world as little babies, we come saved and sinless and perfect. This view is held by fathers, not by mothers who look after them. <laughs> but I, I want you folks to come over here to Genesis chapter 5, dear hearts and gentle people, and you are such a, a wonderful audience. Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 to 3, and you folks come from Thousand Oaks where I live, which is such a beautiful place in Southern California. Genesis chapter 5. You folks got more enthusiastic about that than anything else today. <laughs> this is the book of the genealogy of Adam in the day that God created man. He made him in the likeness of who? We were made in the likeness of who? Tell me. God. Made in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day where they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in... His own likeness, after his image, named him Seth. Uh, Spurgeon said, because of the sin of Adam, we have his black blood in our veins. By that he meant we are born with propensities and tendencies to sin. Have you ever seen a little baby this long lose its temper? Where did it get that temper from, mothers? Huh? Yeah, they, oh, this is the, the answer that always comes from the fathers, yeah. But we are born, David said, I was born in sin. In sin did my mother conceive me. God cannot take us to heaven while we have these old natures that love sin. Therefore, we've got to be born again. And only Christ can give us life. Now come over here to John chapter 1 and verse 1, please. The Gospel of John. This is perhaps the greatest book that was ever written in the history of the human race. John chapter 1 and verse 1, dear hearts. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is talking about Jesus. Verses 9 and onwards. That was the true light which gives light to every man who comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own. His own did not receive him, but as many as received him, 
to them he gave the right to, be, to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So what happens? Now, I want everybody watching this program, you think you've got pro problems? Uh, you think, uh, you know, things are so impossible for you? Uh, you've got children who've gone almost like delinquents. They're on drugs. You don't know what to do. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ is a mighty savior. Amen. I want you to know this. I want you to know that when a person comes to Christ, he comes in true faith. A miracle happens in his life. God changes that person. He becomes a brand new person. We've got far too much religion in the world. Far too much religion in the world. But not enough of Christ. Saul the Pharisee becomes Paul the Apostle. Peter the Stone becomes Peter the rock man. Mm, hallelujah. Oh, I knew that was coming. John and James, the sons of thunder, become John and James, the sons of patience. I'm still working on that one. Ildar, the mafia man, becomes Ildar, the commandment-keeping Christian. Who's Ildar? Well, whenever I go back to Russia, Ildar's there to greet me. The head used to be the head of the Russian mafia. He still scares people. He does. Where if I go anywhere in Russia and I take Ildar, I get respect. Uh -huh. He's told me how he filled a man's belly with lead, five bullets, and said, next time I'll kill you. He said, next time I won't shoot you where I just shot you. I'll kill you. I saw him just very recently. He's now a preacher of the gospel. His life is changed. When he heard, you know how he came to Christ? He got our DVDs. Amazing. We had them translated into Russian. We, we didn't give them to him. Somebody gave him some DVDs. After he saw the first one, he was born again. I'm telling you. You say these things don't happen. These things do happen. And then he went out and saw his lieutenants. He had 400 armed soldiers with machine guns. He sold his beautiful house that was built out of drugs, and he built a magnificent church for the glory of God. Amen. Mm. He's a peaceful man, a peaceable man. He's a loving man. It is the power of God, I'm telling you. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way. He is not a way. Don't believe this nonsense that Jesus is a way. Don't believe this nonsense that is taught even in many pulpits. That every road goes home to glory. It's not true. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he's the only way. I'm going to read you a statement here by... An American thought leader. I think she certainly had the inspiration of God when she wrote. Listen to this. 
I saw that the slave master will have to answer for the soul of the slave whom he has kept in ignorance. And the sin of the slave will be visited upon the master. God cannot take to heaven the slave who has been kept in ignorance and degradation. Knowing nothing of God or the Bible, fearing nothing but his master's lash and holding a lower position than the brutes. But he does the best thing for him that a compassionate God can do. He permits him to be as if he had not been. While the master must endure the seven last plagues, then come up in the second resurrection and suffer the second most awful death, then the justice of God will be satisfied. Now, those people watching, you can get this little book that I wrote. It's a booklet. The Fate of the Heathen. Write to me, John Carter, and the address is on the screen for the United States and Australia and other places. Ask for it. The Fate of the Heathen. It will put a fire in your belly. Now, I got a feeling a lot of people don't understand uh, this great truth and that is why they don't do evangelism. They talk about people being saved in darkness. I don't think they're going to be saved in their darkness. Alan White describes a group of people that must have been tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. They were kept in ignorance and darkness. You will say, those who believe that we're saved by living up to the light they have, well, God is going to take all of them to heaven. She says there, they never had an opportunity. They're not even going to be resurrected. Who's to blame? The slave master. Who's going to go to hell? But his going to hell doesn't help the Negro slave. Now, God is in the business of transforming lives. God cannot take into heaven a race of unredeemed sinners. Now, every talk should have a therefore. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it. Therefore, God has given to the church the work of taking the gospel of salvation to the lost. That's why the church exists. Too many churches have become cozy little clubs and a fence in the nostrils of Almighty God. Would you come over here to Matthew 28, 16 and onwards? These are the words of our blessed Lord. Matthew 28, 16 and onwards, dear hearts and gentle people. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him and some doubted. But then Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. The singular, talking here about the Trinity. The name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. People say, well, you know, it's an option. Why did Jesus say this? 
because the world is lost without Christ. That's why. People have said to me, it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair that people are going to be lost. Remember the Negro slaves? Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem fair to me that Christ came down from glory and went through hell and hung on the cross. And the church that has the truth of God will let souls perish. The greatest of all sins is to withhold salvation from those who are within your reach. People said to me years ago when I went to Russia for the first time, they said, where does he go? What's he doing? What sort of thing has he got going on in Russia? That's because they are in darkness and blindness. They are in the church, but they were not in Christ. They were lost souls. And preaching is God's ordained means of saving the lost. And when the church despises the pulpit, Spurgeon said, God will despise the church. Don't forget it. Come over here to Romans 10. You're a good audience, folks. Mm -hmm. Romans 10, verses 12 and onwards. Romans 10, 12 and onwards. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh no, anybody who just, you know, is just good. No, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him who, in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Hmm? And how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Preaching has got a bad rap today in the church, elsewhere. People want to do every, every sort of thing, but preaching, oh. I've had people say to me, don't talk so loud. Oh, don't get me mad, I say. <laughs> they say, don't talk so loud. We don't believe in preaching anymore. We just believe in being friendly. I believe in a God of judgment too, and he's coming. Would you come over here to 1 Corinthians chapter 1? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And verse 20 to 24. You folks having a good time? Mm -hmm. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 to 24. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. My friends, listen to this. In spite of an indifferent and often indolent church, 
And I've been a pastor for more than 50 years. In spite of an indifferent and indolent, sleepy church and a corrupt and persecuting world, God has always had his preachers of righteousness. Enoch, Noah, Moses, Elijah, John the Baptist, Jesus, our blessed Lord. Paul the Apostle, Martin Luther, my hero. John Wesley, who preached 42,000 sermons and traveled 360,000 miles, not in a Mercedes, but on the back of a horse. Alan White, HMS Richards. When we were in El Salvador recently, we had 80 pastors preaching, 80 running campaigns to get their people to the meetings we had to hire 760 buses hallelujah. hallelujah and people say oh no it can't happen anymore nothing can defeat the work of the gospel of christ i'm giving you folks the uh, dvd victory at kiev you folks watching you can get it victory at kiev write to me john carter get the video Victory at Kiev. I was there only a few weeks ago. Went and visited the tomb of the patriarch. Mm -hmm. On the footpath, he said, you will come and preach here over my dead body. Mm -hmm. Just before I got up to preach, he said, we're going, to, we're going to throw you out. We're going to do this. Your life will not be safe. He died just before I got up to preach. Mm-hmm. In the video, Victory Kiev, we saw the power. You'll see the power of God. That the power of God is mighty and nothing can stop the successful prosecution of his work. Amen. Now, I'm going to read you a poem. Mm -hmm. Here it goes. Sometimes I put in a little bit. Sometimes I got to leave out a little bit. But I'm going to get now to the poem because I got a clock here. And it's no respecter of persons. Here it is. How much is a person worth? I want you to think about this. How much is a person worth? Hmm. Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste his time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. What are my bid, good people? He, he cried, who'll start the bidding for me? One dollar, one dollar, do I hear two? Two dollars, and who'll make it three? $3 once, $3 twice. Going for three. But no. From the room far back came a gray-haired man who picked up the bow, wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up all the strings. He played a melody pure and sweet, as sweet as an angel sings. The music ceased and the auctioneer with a voice that was soft and low said, what now am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. One thousand, one thousand, do I hear two, two thousand? Who'll make it three, three thousand once, three thousand twice? Going and gone, said he. The people cheered, some of them cried. We just don't understand what changed its worth. The man replied, the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and bruised with sin is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, 
glass of wine game and he travels on. He is going once, he is going twice, he is going and almost gone. But the master comes and the foolish crowd can never quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. We believe that Jesus and Jesus alone, only Jesus, is the way, the truth, and the life. And the church exists for one supreme purpose, to preach the gospel of Christ. So help us God. Amen and amen. Now, I'm going to have a prayer with you. Mm -hmm. Would you bow your heads? Dear Father, we thank you today that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. We live in a world that's hurtling to its doom. We can see tremendous changes happening in America. As so many people in America have given up on God and they think they've discovered freedom, they've discovered a terrible bondage. But we know every person is precious in the sight of God and every person can be saved. Therefore, put into the hearts of every one of us, these people here today, put a fire in our bellies and a love in our hearts. Put conviction in our souls. Save us, Lord, from being wishy-washy Christians. And bless us as we reach out to the lost around us for whom Christ died. We pray that you'll bless these precious people here today in our studio. We love them, dear Father, and they love you. Bless them. We worship you and bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hello, friend. I'm John Carter in Moscow. I'm standing here at the very center of the Russian nation. I'm in Red Square. Behind me is St. Basil's Cathedral. And over here is the Kremlin. It's amazing I'm able to talk to you from Red Square today. This is by the grace of God. I'm here today to preach the everlasting gospel of Christ. I first came here in 1991. It was my privilege to run the first ever evangelistic campaign in the old Soviet Union. And we saw thousands of people come to Christ. I've been back here 43 times. We have run campaigns right across Russia and all around Ukraine. We've seen millions of people come to our meetings and hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ. I'm asking you today to continue to support the work of God here in the lands of the former Soviet Union. The need is greater than ever before. In the name of Jesus, please write to me. John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California 91358. In Australia, please write to me at the address at Terrigal. I've been taking meetings the last few days. 
and from here I go on to Ukraine to preach the gospel of Christ. Thank you for your magnificent support. Please write to me today and I want to say to you in the name of Jesus, thank you, thank you, and thank you. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.